Hello, everyone, and welcome to Third Eye with Lorelai. I'm your host, Lorelai, where we talk all things metaphysics. Hello, everybody, and thanks for tuning back into Third Eye with Lorelai. This is a new show that we're going to be talking about today. I'm real excited because I have been researching all of these amazing things this week. And um, I'm going to start out by talking about Moonstone. Just going to dive right in. And I absolutely love Moonstone. It's my absolute favorite stone. And I, I say that because I really do love all the stones, don't get me wrong, but this one just has a very, very special place in my heart and I'm not entirely sure why. It just, it just sings to me. So I'm going to be talking about it this week to you guys. So when I was researching it, I found, I really wanted to know exactly what made Moonstone so special and why it looked the way it does because it's really beautiful um it it has this kind of glow to it like a blue type glow sometimes it's green it's it's so pretty and so when i was researching it i went to gia.edu forward slash moonstone and it said that moonstone is a variety of the feldspar group mineral or orthoclase and during formation, orthoclase and albite separate into alternate layers. And then when light falls between these thin layers, it is scattered, producing the phenomenon called, let me, get, let me see if I can get this one right. It's kind of a long word. Adulescence. Adulescence. Well, that is the light that appears to billow across a gem. Other feldspar minerals can also show odularescence, including labradorite and sanidine. 60% of the minerals in the feldspar family make up more than half of the Earth's rocky crust. Feldspar layers that create moonstone sheen are similar to the size of a wavelength of light. And some of the colors that you can find moonstone in is colorless to white, gray, green, peach, and brown. Now, the moonstone that I have is the green variety, and it still has that kind of blue opalescent type of sheen to it, especially when light hits it, obviously. And then I have another one that's more cloudy. It's more of the white variety, and it kind of has these dark speckles in it, but you still can get some of that really pretty blue opalescent nest to it. It's such a gorgeous stone. I absolutely love it. Um, and for me, what Moonstone does, I'm going to get into what its meaning is in here in just a second, but um, what Moonstone does for me is it just opens up my heart chakra. I mean, it's just like automatically everything just opens up and I feel like like everything is just pouring out of my heart chakra and I feel just open and radiating and it's just a very beautiful feeling for me. 
So anyhow, on to the Moonstone meeting. And I got this information from energymuse.com forward slash Moonstone meeting. And what they say the meaning of Moonstone is that it actually captures the light of the moon and it helps to open up the heart chakra and which allows us to be more receptive and in touch with our inner feelings like waves crashing on the beach in a steady push and pull of the tides get back into your own natural rhythm and discover hidden treasures deep within the self moonstone is a creativity charm and it rocks at bringing out your muse because it reminds you of the miracle of life and our vast universe of infinite possibilities i love that i thought that was pretty fantastic (laughs) um and then it goes on to say uh it talks about moonstone healing properties which is really neat um So moonstone crystals associated with the inner goddess, a symbol of fertility and sensuality. The life-giving feminine figure is an empowering visualization that gives us the gift of increased intuition, the perfect prescription for cleansing the mind of negative emotions, holding you back, fear, self-doubt, it's good with all of that. With the moonstone crystal by your side, channel its healing powers with daily meditation, a practice that helps to clear the mind and center the spirit. For a deep and healing therapeutic session with moonstone, retreat into a sacred healing space free of clutter and distractions. Meditate on your intention for the new moon and the next monthly phase of goals, aspirations, and dreams you have for your life. Repeat this ritual on a full moon and experience the full potential of your soul under the glow of the moonlight. And I think that is absolutely beautiful because I feel like that would, if you had any excess clutter or negative energies clogging up the works, especially in your heart chakra, man, Moonstone will definitely help you be rid of a lot of that. So check that out. You can um, purchase Moonstone at any of your local crystal shops. And um, I highly encourage you to take a peek at that. So I got this quote from Marianne Williamson. And she says, nothing binds you except your thoughts. Nothing limits you except your fear. And nothing controls you except your beliefs. And that was Marianne Williamson that said that. So now we get to our spirit guides. And, you know, I was kind of going back and forth this week. Generally, I thought that I was going to be talking about dream interpretation. I thought about doing some auras. But then I had um, somebody contact me and say, hey, can we talk about spirit guides? Can we just tap into how we identify them? And what can we what can we do to get that rolling? So that just got the ball rolling for me. So. I went in and researched on what are spirit guides, how do you identify, and then what's a tr- what are totems. So let's start with what are spirit guides. And they're souls or spirits of another person or being. And being is very generalized. It can be a mythical creature. It can be a god or goddess. It can be an animal. It can be it can be a limitless amount of beings that you can have. That is, it could still be your spirit guide. It can also be an angel. Uh, simply put, these spirits arrive in your life to help you. 
and you can have many different guides in your lifetime or just one, it's more likely that you have multiple uh, over the course of your life seeing as a life and your life is, it goes through so many transitions that it's ever-changing and thus requiring very different and very specific guidance. So you can have one main guide, but it seems more likely that you would have many guides throughout the course of your life, especially some that come in and out as the need arises, especially if you have very specific uh, changes that are going on in your life. You can have different guides that come in to assist you in those needs and uh, changes. Typically, spirit guides are souls that have experienced what you're going through and have already learned the lessons that you too will be encountering. It is it is those spirits that have chosen to protect you and guide you through those lessons. A lot of times, spirit guides can be a deceased family member or a family member from a past life that has contracted themselves to guide you as a way for them to continue their own ascension process. Now, that is kind of heavy laden because I feel like that's kind of more stuff that we're going to be talking about later, especially with past life stuff, ascension processes. But just as a general thing, you know, in a past life, you had, you know, a family member that maybe has more stuff to work on. And so they've contracted themselves to help you through your hardships in your life in this lifetime. Um, I digress. We'll continue that discussion a little bit later. So let's move on to identifying your spirit guide. Now, the quick and dirty of this is meditation. Meditation, meditate all day. Meditate, I mean seriously meditate all the time. <laughs> and you could do it just for five minutes. I mean, it's not like something where you have to dedicate like two or three hours or even a hour of meditating. I, although if you can, good on you. That's amazing. I would love to be able to take an hour or two every day to just sit and meditate. <laughs> but take time to meditate and you can identify your spirit guide this way. Um, so one thing, one thing I want to mention though, before we go into identifying the spirit guide process is I highly recommend that you have some sort of a protection stone. And also there's a process with protection that, um, would be really important for you to do, especially if you're bringing, um, in another spirit into your space. It's really important to, when you're meditating, think about creating a white bubble around you of white healing light and as just a protection to keep you safe because you never know like what could happen and it's good for you to keep that protection in between you and the other realm. So moving forward, so use protection stones and surround yourself with protective white light and what you want to do in your meditation after you've done your protective work is you call out to your guide and you, you just say, I want to experience your energy and you ask them to enter your space. So, and when you do that, you just ask them to step in your space and you just sit and resonate in the different energy. And you can feel or see 
or taste or hear or even smell the difference. And everybody is unique in how they experience this process, but just pay attention to what things are going on your body. It could be a picture in your mind. It could be a, a certain smell like jasmine or eucalyptus or smoke. Um, it could be so many different things. Um, and you wanna try to do this a, a number of different times. So that way, once you do experience this this energy that's in your space, your spirit guide, you want to kind of exercise that same thing over and over again so that you recognize the spirit guide when they are in your space. And so one thing you do is you just say, step into my, into my space, and then you say, okay, step away from my space. And you do that a few times. Over time, you start to really understand who this guide is to you. And it's almost like a, like a calling card, if you will, of them coming into your space and you go, oh, that's that's you, that's my spirit guide. Um, I smell jasmine, or I, I see a picture of a rainbow, or what have you, whatever is unique to your spirit guide. Um, you may even feel more than one thing. It, you know, it may be a, pictures of many different things. You may have a specific person or, or an animal or a stone or a smell, or you feel um, prickles on the back of your neck or on your arms. Um, you could taste honey. <laughs> you could have a myriad of different things all at once. And how you speak to spirit guides is similar to prayer. It's in a way praying. Um, I've asked my spirit guides to watch over me in while I sleep. And a lot of times I'll just, what I do is I journal at the end of the day. I'll kind of do a sort of like a play-by-play -play of what's been going on, how I'm feeling about what's been going on, or if something really heavy happened and I just need some extra clarity about what I should do or how I should be behaving or whatever. And I feel like my answer comes in the unique way that my spirit guides answers me. And usually it's within dreams. I, I dream a lot. <laughs> but for some of you, it may be, you know, you may experience an actual auditory response or you may experience, you know, even in writing, you could write it down, whatever they're saying. I mean, there's so many different things, but the experience is the important part. A lot of times, you know, if I feel like there's something going on, like with my family or my children, I can ask my spirit guide to watch over them or help them with whatever hardship or issue that they're going through. Um, and it's interesting because you sometimes you don't realize how much your spirit guide is in your presence and in your space until they're gone. And that's a very interesting sensation as well. And it's interesting because my children, you can call upon different spirits to watch over different people. And for my kids, for my oldest, I have her spirit great godmother that I call upon to watch over her while she sleeps and, you know, to keep her restful and at peace and healthy and safe. And for my youngest, I call upon Mother Mary which is a, you know, a, a Catholic deity, if you will. I mean, I'm sure she's pretty well known with most people. I just feel like it's a really strong symbol for protection and love and nurturing. So I usually call upon her for my youngest. And that's the other thing that you can take away from this is you aren't limited 
to call upon your spirit guides. Um, you know, you can call upon one that's really popular is Archangel Michael. If you feel like you need extra safety and protection, he's a really powerful, protective Archangel. It's your intention that truly matters. And those spirits will answer in kind to your intention. And um, yeah, you can look up all of the different types of angels or deities that are meaningful to your situation and call upon them and see how that progresses for you. Now again, protective work. Keep the protective work going. <laughs> I'm going to keep reminding you of that as we keep going through this. So yes, precautionary measures before trying to contact spirits of any facet. Protect yourself first and foremost. Because, and, and a lot of reason why is because opposites attract and your positive open heart can pull negative energy towards you. So practice much caution and guard yourself. And like I said, I, like I practice, speak to your spirit guides or guide each night. Uh, keep an open dialogue about what you're going through and how you're feeling. Acknowledging what areas you would like to improve upon and where or what you would want to let go of. You'd be amazed at how your guides can respond and speak to you in their own unique way. So that is kind of the gist of spirit guides. And, you know, it can be anything that you can fathom in your brain, but it's when you do the meditation, I think it becomes more clear as to what and who is guiding you in your lifetime. So now I want to move on to something a little bit different, but it's it's all kind of in the same vein. It just looks a little different. So animal totems. And I think these are really fascinating because it's sort of just a symbolism as to what you are going through in your life. And this also can change. Your totem can change all the time, um, depending on what you're going through. Um, now, when I researched this, I, I found a good site called Gaia.com, G-A-I-A.com forward slash article forward slash find your spirit animal meanings. And this one was really great. It was kind of the quick and dirty of a lot of it, but um, it also went into depth about different totems and animal totems. And so for now, I'm just going to go over how you know your animal spirit guide and what they are. So what this article says is animals are ever present in our lives, whether they're our beloved household dog or the roaming coyote that we glimpse every now and then. Yet we often lack an understanding of their symbolic nature and the key characteristics that define them. Traditional shamans believed that spirit animals or totems are revealed to guide and protect their charges throughout a journey. They offer influential insight into their subconscious mind and carry meaningful messages if you're willing to listen. Your spirit animal is meant to serve as a guide and bring attention to parts of your life that need acknowledgement and exploration. To kind of talk about this a little bit more um, with identifying, they say meditate. <laughs> Remember to meditate. <laughs> so... Um, the different animals, now I, there are tons of different animals that can be your totem. I'm just going to go over what they list here and their symbolism. They go into the different characteristics of each animal, but it's really long. So if you want to check out this article, I think that it would be really helpful, especially if you kind of know what your um, animal totem is, 
but you just don't really know some of the characteristics. Well, this is a great site to look at and um, kind of get to know what these are. So the first one is the wolf. And the symbolism of the wolf is sharp intelligence, deep connection with instincts, appetite for freedom, expression of strong instincts, feeling threatened, lack of trust in someone or yourself. And the wolf is a positive symbolism of the wolf spirit animal. And then the next one is the owl. And the symbolism of the owl is intuition, the ability to see what others do not see. The presence of the owl announces a change, the capacity to see beyond deceit and masks. The owl is a keen symbolism for wisdom. And the traditional meaning of the owl spirit animal is the announcer of death, uh, most likely symbolic, like a life transition or change. Um, and then there's the bear. The symbolism of the bear is um, strength and confidence, standing against adversity and taking action and leadership. The spirit of the bear indicates it's time for healing or using healing abilities to help self or others. The bear medicine emphasizes the importance of solitude, quiet time, and rest. And the spirit of the bear provides strong grounding forces. And then there's the hawk. The hawk symbolism is the messenger of the spirit world and uses the power of focus and takes the lead when the time is right. It's the power to see clear vision and has a strong connection with spirit and increased spiritual awareness. And lastly is the fox. And the symbolism of the fox is physical or mental responsiveness and increased awareness, cunning and seeing through deceptions, called to be discerning. The fox's ability to find your way around and to be swift in tricky situations and has an affinity with nocturnal activities and dream work. Now, I actually have, my totem is the fox, and I've been trying to kind of navigate my way around that totem. And it's funny because when you find out what your totem is, you tend to see them everywhere you go. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times I've seen a fox everywhere I go. It's, it's pretty wild. So one thing they say about how to find your spirit animal is that your spirit animal is the embodiment of your subconscious mind and therefore cannot be chosen. It must choose you. In most cases, your spirit animal will present itself during a time when your mind is relaxed and able to wander internally, such as during dreams or meditation. However, spirit animals may also reveal themselves in physical form often displaying unusual behavior or showing themselves several times in short succession. Well, that kind of proves a little bit of what I was going through, right? <laughs> Seeing the foxes everywhere. You can also observe in nature. So you get outside, take your headphones off and pay attention to the abundance of the world around you. Notice the direction of the wind and the patterns of the birds above you. This step is essential in preparing you for spirit animal connections. Your ability to find your spirit animal and receptivity to their guidance depends on your ability to observe the natural world and identify signs and symbols. And um, there's some other things that you can do. Um, one of the things I thought was pretty interesting was document your dreams. Um, dreams are often the subconscious mind's way of processing complex emotions, as well as manifestations of unconscious imagery and guidance. Write down your dreams in as many details as you can remember. You might be surprised to find a recurring animal present. 
Pay particular attention to the messages your dreams deliver and to the specific situations in which animals are present. Animals and dreams may symbolize deep-rooted feelings not fully acknowledged in waking hours, a feeling that you find quote-unquote wild or hard to control, and or your most basic instincts and emotions. So once you find out your spirit animal, um, now what do you do? So once you've found your spirit animal and have started to understand the characteristics and traits it embodies, it's time to assimilate those positive elements into your life. The more you begin to incorporate these traits, the stronger the connection you forge with that animal and with your true nature. And meditate regularly on your animal spirit guide and ask it for guidance and listen to what it tells you. If your spirit animal is a cat, it can teach you how to become more zen in your life. If it's an owl, it will likely imbue wisdom on you and move you through change, especially huge changes. Being mindful of these traits can have a profound impact on your life and teach you lessons that you may have missed otherwise. So be observant. Take close attention to what is happening around you. And when you meditate, pay close attention to how you're feeling and just sit and listen to what these guides, these spirit guides are bringing to the table because it can be extraordinary, some of the things that they have to tell you. And I had no idea how in depth some of these animal totems and spirit guides could be. So I hope that some of you will be able to take some time and meditate and find out who's around you and who's been around you and who's helping you and making things maybe a little easier for you and speaking to you and is maybe that still small voice in the back of your mind and in your heart telling you the best route to go. So thank you so much, you guys, for tuning in again. And I really look forward to the next week's show because I'm having a lot of fun. And <laughs> I hope that you guys are too. And I hope you're getting something out of this because I know I am for sure. So with all the love and light in my heart, I wish you the best week and I will see you all very,
If you find yourself interested in receiving an intuitive tarot reading, contact me at 3rdeyelorelei at gmail.com or you can message me on my Instagram at 3rd.eye.with.lorelei or on Facebook at Third Eye with Lorelei Podcast to set up a reading. I can do Zoom or we can meet in person as long as we are wearing those face masks and practicing social distancing just to be safe. As always, love and light to you all, and I look forward to reading you soon.